Hey, everybody. Welcome to Red Pill Your Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz, and I'm here with Lauren Johnson, your favorite nurse practitioner. And we have a good show this week for you. We always have a good show, but this one is a really interesting topic that needs to be talked about. And you know that we like to talk about things that need to be talked about. We are going to do autism this week. And before we get started, I think it's very important to talk about the viewpoint we're coming from. When we talk about autism for the rest of the 30 minutes or so, we are not saying that people with autism around the spectrum are less than as humans. We're just saying that there is a pattern that we are recognizing that if we cut that pattern and do things to help the symptoms, life can be better all the way around. All the stuff we will talk about, whether your children have autism or not, we should want to help our children. So it does not, when we're talking, it does not mean that we are talking down on people on the spectrum. It could be the exact opposite. Honestly, I always say that some of the best people I've ever met have been on the spectrum, loving, intelligent, charismatic, everything. And um, we just want to help people in need from the perspective of symptoms that can really give you a less quality of life, so to speak. So a lot of people, that, I want to say there's can be a lot of guilt and shame because the causes of all some of the, some of the factors that are related to autism, it can cause this guilt and shame reaction. And if we can just release that, um, and just say, I want what's best for my child, or I want what's best for me. I want, maybe it's better quality of life. Maybe it's, it's better new, be able to get better nutrition in them. So they're absorbing nutrients better, whatever it is. We're just looking at it like, Hey, what can we do to, um, to fix those root causes that are, that are, and it's multiple. We're going to talk about that. It's multiple root causes and, and not look at like fixing them as a person, but fixing the the symptoms that are that are coming out and that you're seeing day to day that might make yeah. your life a little bit better. I think you, you nailed it when you said that we're not trying to fix them as a person because they're exactly as they need to be. Yes. And so one of the things whenever uh, Lauren and I have talked on Instagram about this, there is an overwhelming theme of people basically saying that too many people are trying to change their child when you should just love your child. And I agree, you should love your child. That is the main thing. And we're not trying to change your child. We're trying to give them a better quality of life. And it goes back to what I'm saying is if you have autism or you don't, if you have these same symptoms, we just want to improve your quality of life. They just happen to be more common in the autism community. It's like, okay, my child, I, I have a child that's sensitive to red food dye. And I, I see her, her, everything changes when, when she takes it in. And I, I don't want that for her. I don't want, I don't want her to feel like that. She doesn't want to feel like that. And so I, you know, she feels so much better when she does, when she hasn't taken it in. So why would I just say, here, go on and have the Skittles, go on and have all the stuff instead of educating her and helping her and empowering her to say, Hey, this is what we can do. Or, Hey, this is what we're going to do instead. Or this is why we don't eat um, the, the right food diet. You know, like the things like that, like you, as a parent, you really just want to be able to help them have their best life and be able to like, un, like to fully embrace it. And I don't, I feel yes. like with this conversation, it can be so much of trying to fix them. And that's just not what we're trying to do. That's right. So I echo that a hundred percent. And from there, we will take it into more of uh, what we see clinically and things that we want you to be able to try at home um, so that this better quality of life can be experienced. 
So first thing I'm going to say is that we feel that the way that the medical paradigm treats autism is really not getting to root causes. Now, all the following things I'm going to mention have value. They bring value. But we think that they're used in the wrong order, which is usually what Western medicine does, is it's just used in the wrong order. It's, you shouldn't use emergency medicine to build your health. And so same thing goes with uh, autism. What will happen is your child will go to physical therapy, speech pathologist, and all these different specialties to help them with their symptoms. Here's the issue with that. It's not that speech pathology, speech, geez, maybe I need speech, speech pathology. <laughs> It's not that speech pathology is not beneficial. It can be extremely beneficial, just like physical therapy. Mm -hmm. The issue that we're bringing up is that those should come after you're doing root cause therapies. Or alongside. And along, 100%. It, it, the saying that I tell people is, hey, it takes a tribe. When people come and see me as a patient, sometimes I, I don't do things that I know they need. So I will, I will co-treat with them with an acupuncturist or a cranial sacral therapy or CFT or whatever it might be. Um, and so I say it takes a village, it takes a tribe because things are multifactorial and you can't be the master of all. You just can't, it's impossible. Right. So let's talk about some root causes and then we'll get into therapies and things like that. Do you want to um, first go into like yeah. identify like where in... 2000, we were at one in 150 children or people were diagnosed with autism. And in 2012, it jumped up to one in 69. And in 2018, we were at one in 44. And I think it didn't it jump up again. Most likely. I, I, I honestly it jumped up again. It has increased so much, um, 241% higher than baseline statistics in 2000. Boys are still four times more likely to be diagnosed than girls. Some of that, do you think, do you, do you have a, a theory on why that is? Um, oh, Dr. Klinghart does. Um, it's testosterone. So my, my guess was going to be some type of hormonal change, which the main difference is males have more testosterone, females have more estrogen, um, which also goes into play why females are more prone to autoimmune issues than males. It would be the same thing, but different for autism, even though I do think, as I was just telling you, that autism is a form of autoimmunity in some fashion. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so, so let's talk. So the biggest thing if you hear nothing else and in all our podcast is, is for you to think differently mm -hmm. is, is to question everything. What, what Lauren just said, those statistics, when you see that trend going, why are we not paying attention to this? Right. Again, it's not making kids less than, or they have worse character or anything like that. It's just a toxicity pattern. And if it's not autism, it's going to be something like cancers. It's not cancer. Yeah, it's going to be something like heart disease. It's just going to contribute to other things. Um, and however you are as a biochemical individual, it's going to express differently, essentially. It, but the body will express itself. I mean, no matter what, whether it is in an, an autistic symptoms yep. or if it is an autoimmune diagnosis or if it is um, a, a cancer, you know, at a young age, like the body will express itself. And, it, and we, we will say like there's multiple factors. A lot yeah. of these factors are the same as what we might talk about with autoimmune disease. So, I mean, so th there are multiple factors. Now there is one, I think that there are a couple that are very unique to autism, but mm -hmm. I, it is very important to say that like, 
there's multiple factors. It's never just one thing. Um, and that, um, we really have to get to the root cause. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of you are probably listening to us and people on Instagram and saying, wow, all these do, all these people do is talk about viruses and parasites and heavy metals and radiation and things like that. There's a reason that we're talking about that is because truth withstands time. Mm -hmm. And the further we get away from the basics of health, the more confused as a society we will be and the sicker we will be. So every single patient that I've ever personally seen that has seen so many different doctors that they come to me literally at their last hope. And I do something as simple as, well, I found radiation or I found parasite, or you're really sensitive to this food. And they're like, really? That, that's what it is after I've seen it, went to Mayo Clinic in Cleveland and I you know, flew to Germany and you're going to say this. And all of a sudden they're like, well, I guess other people have had success with you. I guess I'll try it. And all of a sudden in a week, they're feeling 50 to 75% better. It's because we're looking usually for zebras when we should be looking for horses. We should be looking for the commonality of stuff, not the tiny little one-off that's one in 10 million that we are, you know, which medicine is like trying to do all day long. So let's talk. Biggest thing with autism, detoxification pathways, mm -hmm. like extreme, mm -hmm. absolutely extreme. So and how many autistic, autistic children and adults are constipated? hundred percent. I mean, and, that's and number one. Most of the time it's just getting them to have a bowel movement every day is like, a, a work. I mean, that is so, it's so hard, but if you can do that, like how much better will they, will they be? Will they function? Absolutely. And so let's stay on constipation because I, I really think that this is probably the most important thing is to have bowel movements. Um, because if that ain't happening, nothing else is going to happen. Right. And right. so, uh, Lauren, you've, you've listened to my membership, my parasite video, I think that parasites are probably the most common cause of constipation that okay. I see clinically. Yeah, because, well, they, they impact the gallbladder so much yep. and the liver and they just congest it. And then you don't have that bile flow. Um, I, I would say that um, most people that you see with all those symptoms that we talk about with parasites, if you can just, if you can work on that a little bit, you're going to see a lot of symptom improvement. Totally. And so what I'll find is, um, the larger the parasites, so more the worms, they secrete certain chemicals that literally intentionally constipate you so that you can't eliminate them and they can reproduce. Isn't that crazy? It's so nuts. They're really oh. smart. Honestly, they're like, have like no brains, but they're like genius. And so, and then on the flip side, the smaller parasites, like the protozoa and sporozoa, sporozoa is more like that, like giardia. Um, is going to cause more of the diarrhea type of parasitic infection. So number one, parasites, we can talk about it, but if you're, you know, if you think or know that you or loved one have parasites, check out the membership video. I went really in depth on it. It's and, really good. Um, it's really helpful. It's, it's hard as a provider to go into these things on social media and to get calls. And that's why um, it's so helpful to have it a space like that, where you can't, you can go into more specifics. Yes. And so we'll save it for that. But obviously getting bowel movements is crucial. Mm -hmm. um, let's go a little bit further on the infection route, because when I say that 95% of my day is finding subclinical infections on people, I'm not lying. I'm not over-exaggerating. That is literally what I do uh, in a nutshell. And one of the biggest things that these infections will release, especially parasites, yeast, and bacteria like Lyme and co-infections, they will release ammonia. 
and ammonia is severely associated with kids on the spectrum. And what let's talk a little bit about what ammonia does. Well, the number one thing that I find is it depletes a neurotransmitter known as GABA. GABA, if that is low, the main symptoms of that are being irritable, restless, and agitated. Sounds a lot like autism. Right. And so here's what else it'll do. It crosses the blood brain barrier, which is our protection, uh, from the blood to the brain, exactly as it as it sounds. Um, but what it'll do is it'll cross that into the brain and it'll bind to alpha ketoglutarate. I don't care if you know what that word means or how to spell it, doesn't make a difference. But what that does is create something called glutamate, which is an extreme neurotoxin that's excitatory to the nervous system, which again is something that will create agitation. It can create all the symptoms. That's why people say don't eat Chinese food because there's MSG in there. That's monosodium glutamate. That's yeah. what it is. So literally when these infections get in our system, they are secreting things similar to MSG in our nervous system, which is a neurotoxin. Very, very crucial that we uh, learn how to get these infection loads down to reduce the amount of ammonia. Yeah. Now, um, with, with that alpha-ketoglutarate, that also is one of the main components to what is called the citric acid cycle. And that is how our bodies produce ATP, which is our, our energy, which comes from something called mitochondria, which a lot of people on social media have heard. You got to get to the cell. You have to get to the cell. You got to get all the way down to the cell. Well, really what they're meaning is that you need to get the cell to produce more ATP and mitochondria because that repairs all of your nerves and cells and everything. So these infections literally secrete something that depletes neurotransmitters and your body's ability to self-repair. That alone right there is a huge clinical pearl. Yep, yep. And so these infections, you mean by that, just so we can um, label it for the, the listeners, yep. parasites. Parasites, candida, Lyme, yeah. Babesia, yeah. Bartonella. Mm -hmm. I haven't found ammonia being released with viral infections. Okay. That's, that's me personally. I find that most ammonia in my experience is either yeast or parasites, even more than Lyme, but Lyme can very well do it. Um, that's what I find clinically. But for a child that's teetering and maybe gets bit by a tick yes. with Lyme, that can set them off into maybe a flare um, and, or something like that. And so that's something to, it, it is a factor, but it's not, it may not be the factor. Yes. So number one is we have to get the gut working properly. Besides infections, food sensitivities are crucial. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, for most things, even for if yep. we're looking at ADHD or if we're looking at insomnia, there are so many things. Ref acid reflux. There are so many things that food sensitivities play a role, and a lot of that has to do with what's on our food, what's in our food, yep. um, the pesticides or or then the chemicals that are intentionally put in our foods. Um, and so. I know that you're not a big fan of commit of dairy in general, and that's right. a big one for food sensitivities and gluten is too, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, especially if you're not eating organic and well-sourced, yeah. they're sprayed with glyphosate and pesticides. Yeah. Those yeah. have to go through the liver and the liver's main job is to detoxify your digestive tract. So when we talk about drainage pathways, we're really talking about bowel, liver, uh, and kidneys, essentially gallbladder, liver, kidney, and bowel. And so I'd say foods are the most 
controllable thing that you have. Yeah. And it's hard. It, I know that it's hard, especially with children with autism to get them to eat. Yes. And I know that is going to be a process, but if you can commit to it um, and maybe change one thing at a time, maybe say, okay, we're going to take away gluten or we're going to take away dairy. Some people like to do it cold turkey and just do it all at once. I kind of feel yep. like I would be in that route because you might as well just make them, you know, miserable for a little bit. Eventually they will eat and they will, you will figure out things that they do like. Absolutely. So and is so it gluten, dairy? What else would you find as food sensitivities? Um, corn is a huge one. Corn, corn not, is not even organic corn, just no. corn. Corn. Corn is a huge brain uh, inflammatory. Okay. When I first started learning muscle testing and I learned food sensitivities, my teacher told me what muscles to test with food on the body because different muscles in my realm relate to different organs. And for corn, we had to test the supraspinatus muscle, which is part of your rotator cuff in your shoulder. And that's related to the brain. And he showed us that whenever you put corn in the person's mouth and you muscle test the supraspinatus, it will go into a hypertonic state. Mm. pretty fascinating Interesting. and then he would use gluten um as the liver stress and he would do your pec sternal which is your pec muscles that ever all the guys love to bench press and, and build these pecs and stuff well gluten destroys that so um that yeah, was what he would show 100 and he would show um uh dairy for the kidneys and he would do the hip flexors because the hip flexors are related to the kidneys okay so very fascinating. There's, there's a lot yeah. to this. This is another reason why I want to start that membership because there's so much information out there and I want you to have a resource to be able to, to um, just to literally search bar anything you want to know. Um, okay. So foods, we talked about pesticides, um, heavy metals, and now here's where it gets interesting folks. <laughs> reason why is because everyone's going to say, okay, I understand the pesticides are sprayed everywhere. I understand that foods are genetically modified and sprayed with those pesticides. And there's a lot of allergens in foods. I even understand that we get parasites from our pets and eating sushi and foods and traveling in different water sources. Where in the world do I get metals? Well, if you haven't listened to the first four episodes of this podcast, highly recommend you do. Yeah. And, and the geoengineering one too, because that's another source of metals yes, too. Um, absolutely. And so- there's there's a lot of um, metals in our environment that we are exposed to in today's world that we may they were exposed differently in in you know 100 years ago so it's not that it didn't exist but it was different and there definitely wasn't geoengineering at that point um we talked about the first four episodes a lot of um, vaccines that are that can be associated with autism and there's so much controversy over that you go back and listen to the episodes but i do want to talk about a couple studies that i found that found aluminum associated with the autism spectrum disorder. This one is by Alberto Beretti and it was from 2021. And it said injected aluminum induces behavioral changes in mice brains and autism spectrum disorder. Patients contain more aluminum than the control. Uh, and of course they always say this needs more research. This warrants more research instead of actually coming to a conclusion. Um, yep. There was another study and this one, I think is from 2016. No, I'm sorry, 2021 in the Environmental Sciences Pollution, it's a journal. Um, and it showed, I'm pulling it up, infant, this is a really good quote. Uh, the amount, although aluminum is a neurotoxic substance, which is discussed as discussed as so far, has been considered to be a major contributor to neurodegenerative diseases. Infants are being exposed to this substance repeatedly through infant formula, as well as vaccination. 
the infant formula part is definitely more soy formula. Um, mm -hmm. but that is something to be considered as well. Uh, there, and there is urgent need to study the long-term effects of early exposure to aluminum on infants developing brains. There's more that I can quote, I can, I'll link the study in the show notes because there's so much in this that, that you can go into. It is, it is very well proven that aluminum is linked to Alzheimer's and yep. then as well is linked to um, mm. autism. And there is a lot of aluminum there in this study, you'll find a, a table four has the aluminum content in vaccines from birth to 18 months. Hep B has 250 micrograms times three doses. DTAP has 600, 625 micrograms times four doses. It's, it's, there's it's insane. There's, yeah. So it's insane. And, um, if you, if people who are listening to this, remember that once upon a time I had a DR Charlie DC Instagram account. I didn't have the 2.0 <laughs> always. And the reason why I went to 2.0 is because I did a post that showed post vaccination. There is a phenomenon that happens called the activation of microglial cells. Microglial cells are the immune cells of the brain. And so post-vaccination, as you inject this into their blood, gets into the brain tissue, and then it excites these immune cells. And all I did was say the two most common population of people that demonstrate activated microglial cells is autism and Alzheimer's. They flagged that, shadow banned my account, and it's I could never be tagged again, blah, 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 blah. Because it actually like it got really popular. Anytime anything goes, and it's because it really connected. People saw it. They finally connected it. For sure. Uh, and so then he was untaggable. Um, I was the un like uh, Voldemort in uh, in Harry Potter. He shall shall not be named. That's what Instagram did to me. I could yeah. not be named. And I couldn't be tagged. Nope. So um, and that is why I do not like I do, I ask that anyone that messaged me, please do not use the word vaccine. Please use a code <laughs> word. It flags me. I remember, I remember when I met Lauren on Instagram a year ago, this, cause I started doing uh, Instagram December of last year and she did a post where everything that I was thinking was just vaccines. And I commented on it saying, well, what about like jabs and all that stuff? And then she's like, yeah, I can't talk about that type of stuff. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I got it. Now I get how Instagram works. Yeah. Yeah. You really can't talk about it at <laughs> you all. Can't. I mean, it, even if it's a child one, if it's the COVID one, you cannot talk about it. Um, it's a way, it's a great way to get deplatformed. Absolutely. And so that's why we're doing this because we yes. want to speak about things. Exactly. And your membership. And that's why I have my blog. I am actually going to get some more every day. I get asked, Hey, what are some resources for me to go to? And I point them to our podcast, but a lot of, uh, a lot of, well, a lot of men want to see books. They want to see like the evidence, not just mm -hmm. hear somebody talk about it. So I want to have like resources on my website. So that way, okay, go to this website and click on these books. You um, know, it's it's funny. Way. It's funny you say that because I agree. Guys always want books and proving stuff, but as soon as their children's offered a vaccine in these pediatrician offices, it's just taken um, as gospel. There's no book that they ask for. It is, it's really, and it, cause it's, yeah, it's, it, it's really hard. It's really hard. I, I will say, and even at the moment, like I didn't question it either. And yeah. I was a nurse practitioner, but I was, I mean, you know, so I, it's really, 
it's really hard, but I will say that I agree. A lot of men don't, they don't question the vaccines in the office until something happens to their child. And then I do see a big change and they, they totally. become like super, like, no, we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah. You'll never see people go from our side to the other side, but you consistently see the other side coming to this side, because as I said, truth withstands time. Oh yeah. You should see the offices that are um, lenient or that are um, natural offices. They've exploded in their patient volume in the last two For years. Sure. Uh, because there's so many pediatricians are pushing the COVID vaccine on children and they're just getting, it, it's becoming more and more obvious. And it's like, yeah. what, they won't even explain the COVID vaccine to their, like about it to yeah. the, to the patient uh, or to the parent. And so you'll see them. They're like, I don't know how to explain RNA experimental vaccines. Uh, I'm just going to use my doctor. What's in it. They won't even answer. They don't know. Yeah. All right. So by now you guys all understand our stance on vaccines we can get back to a little bit of autism. Yes. And right. so vaccines are a huge deal uh, in in autism. And are they the only thing? No, they're not the only thing. Can children have autism without being vaccinated? Yes. Because what autism is, is the way that their genetics are expressing in the presence of toxins. Mm -hmm. And what, like we said, foods, infections, environment, it comes from all over. Just vaccines are a huge hit because they're injected right into the blood, which gets right into the brain. Yeah. And so. And, the, and that yeah. is like, these could be toxins that the mom is exposed to during pregnancy. It could be, you know. It, totally. So totally. It, it could be the air breathing in. It could be the, the aluminum and the deodorant. There's so yeah. many factors. It could be the pesticides also not helping and opening up the gut lining and, and contributing to things. So like, it's just, it's never just one thing. 100%. And, and that brings up a good point is why you'll never see a drug for autism is because drugs don't caught, don't treat multifactorial things. They treat one simple yeah. thing. And what it does is mask a symptom. Yes. And yeah. so I think never... it's interesting that you said that because there was a doctor in 2015 that was um, actually that was killed in 2015. He was an autism researcher. Um, he was very well known. Dr. Klinghart talks about him a lot. Dr. Klinghart is an autism expert as well, and he treats a lot of um, children and adults with autism. And um, this this doctor was killed with by a gunshot in 2015, and it was the day after his office had been raided by the FDA. Um, and so he, he did alternative things. And so he didn't do the, the typical things. His son was diagnosed with autism at 18 months or 15 months after vaccination. And so that's what started him on this quest. Um, he was a medical doctor and he was killed. And I'm not saying that that's what it was. They said it was a suicide, but then everything else said no. And the family said no. And there's all these questions still, but all I can say is they don't want, they don't want it to be found out. They don't want the solution to be found out. I don't, I don't want to say it's every single doctor. No, I don't mean that doctors of course want their patients to, to be doing better, but I right. mean, that there are things at play that make holistic people, doctors and, and, and providers who come out with holistic um, options, they eventually will get banned or lose their license. We see a lot with Dr. McCullough. Um, he is losing his right. license. He's speaking out against vaccines now and he's, he's lost. I think he did lose his license. He probably and did. so it's just something that you need to know that just because they lost their license, that doesn't mean they're, they did anything wrong. It just means that they're speaking and they're questioning, they're questioning things and the FDA and state and boards of medicine, boards of nursing, they don't like that kind of stuff. I mean, it goes back. If you guys really want to go down the rabbit hole, if you have ever heard of Rife Machines, go, oh, yes. go look up the story of Royal Rife That's and what he was doing and just 
doing amazing things for curing all types of cancers and stuff. And the FBI went after him. Every time that there's something great that pharma won't benefit off of or the government won't make money off of, it's squashed. No matter what, it will be squashed. And it's sad, but it's the truth. So, all right. So back to, uh, let's get off uh, Royal Rife uh, and his story and let's get back to (laughs) to autism. So we've, we've mentioned some things. We mentioned to help the gut simple things that we can do from an antimicrobial standpoint. One supplement that I really enjoy that's very broad spectrum and it's pretty gentle is uh, Noni, which we use Mirinda Supreme. Yes. Really like it because again, it's it's gentle enough to where I will actually use it if I'm traveling um, as a prevention of picking up parasites in other countries and stuff. And um, again, you've heard Lauren say this, you've heard me say this a bunch is- when we're telling you about these things and you resonate with it and you try it, start at low dose, start at giving a sprinkle a day or every other day. Yes. Like when I, I just started my daughter on a couple of new supplements from Supreme and I, and I, I literally, and I don't do, I actually don't start more than one new supplement on the same, at the same time i start like, so I'll start the next new thing tomorrow just to make, just so I can see how she does. So I start slowly. I was actually going to do some stories on this because it's important to like understand Start slowly, mm-hmm. pay attention yep. to their behavior changes and, and, and to how, and how things go. And so I do a little sprinkle. You don't need much. Right. And then slowly increase to maybe a fourth of capsule a day. Yep. Yep. And so Marinda is a great one. Another broad spectrum that I really love because it does parasites so well and uh, fungus and viruses is neem, which is Malia Supreme. It's a, it's a great one. Those would be a great starting place. Uh, the third, we talked about a bunch is golden thread Supreme, which is high in berberine. Um, that's probably my, yeah, even it's the strongest one. Um, I will do very minimal in young ones with that. Sometimes I'll give a pinch, but I try to start out with Marinda and Malia. Um, those are probably my two go-tos when it comes to children and going after gut support. Um, Foods we talked about, you know, that's an avoidance thing. That is just make uh, a good decision and and work towards that. Again, it's all about progress, not perfection, unless it is something that's heavy autoimmune or something along those lines, then it becomes perfection. Um, you, you have to- Do you recommend a GAPS diet? Um, you know, diet is so interesting uh, because there's so many different ones out there. Yeah. And so what I usually recommend is- honestly is Mediterranean diet, good fats for autistic, like autistic. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's other ones that people have done with good results in like the autoimmune paleo type diet, the gaps diet, the keto I've seen with autism. You know, I've seen some good stuff. I just think that if you can get good quality meats, um, some good essential fats, like just do the basics and let's not make it more complicated than it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked about pesticides and heavy metals. Uh, We talk about, you know, what we would do in our previous episodes about heavy metals and pesticides. So I don't want to go too much more into that. But, you know, we talk about binders, uh, Takasumi Supreme. I personally love to open up liver pathways um, in a very uh, gentle way. What I mean by that, I like to start with herbs that are that are low dosed and allow the liver to make its own glutathione. And to, to help phase one and phase two detox, in my experience, my favorite is Shisandra Supreme. 
Um, that is, yeah. what'd you say? What about, what about Skullcap? I love Skullcap. Okay. I, I was like, doesn't that help with glutathione too? It does. Skullcap. Okay, okay. So it's scutellaria. But you wouldn't supreme. use both of those. You could, because you could. say the patient has, um, say the child on the spectrum has a lot of yeast. Okay. Well, Skullcap's probably going to be my first one I would think of. Yep because it's great for candida and things associated. It produces glutathione, which then helps your lung barrier, your brain barrier, your gut barrier. It helps move your lymph and it helps regenerate nerves, which obviously we talked about how ammonia can stop the citric acid cycle, less ATP, less nerve regeneration. I um, mean, it also helps calm the mind. That sounds like a miracle right there. Yes. Yes. It's a great and, one. And they just made it in tincture. New, isn't it a new tincture? Yeah. They just made it in tincture like a month ago. I love that. Love that. Because yeah. what they wanted to do was they wanted an antiviral and tincture, which is elderberry. They did black walnut for an antiparasitic. And then they just came out with scutellaria for uh, antifungal. Yeah, that's awesome. So those are great. Um, one other one that I will say, and we didn't mention this yet. There's a phenomenon called the fever effect with autism. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is when children on the spectrum get sick and, and run a fever, a lot of times they will pretty much get over all of their symptoms of autism and parents will be like, wow, it seems like I have a different child right now. What is going on? And so they've been debating since the eighties, what, what's going on, what's not going on, how do we prove this? And I've seen this in my clinic. I've seen patients come in and say, you know, they had a fever of 101 and they were talkative. They were not stimming anymore. They had all these things that just left. What's going on? I'm like, honestly, I don't know, but I need to figure this out. So I started looking up more into it. What happens during a fever is there is a, uh, a thing in the brain called IL-17. Again, I'm not trying to confuse you with scientific terms. All that means is that there is an immune process that happens in the brain that upregulates its protection because it's trying to protect from the infection. That's what a fever does. And so again, what is it doing? It's trying to, it's trying to uh, help against an infection, which is why we go after the gut against infections, because this is what's starting in the first place. However, you don't have to induce a fever for your children to experience that. One nutrient that does that great is broccoli sprout. And so the main broccoli sprout two supplements that I will use. And Lauren, if, if you use another one, please have at it is, um, cell core biotoxin binder because it has broccoli sprout, molybdenum and yucca root and molybdenum and yucca root is what I use for ammonia detoxification. So it's kind of a two in one when it comes to, uh, helping things associated with autism. If you don't want the yucca root and the, um, molybdenum, then I use, uh, it's called Brocco Protect, which is from Designs for Health, and it would be in our full scripts. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, it's interesting that so many parents immediately, um, they, they want to make their children feel better during fever. And it's, that's the one thing that really can, it really can help. But I love that there is an herb that can simulate that because that, that mm -hmm. is amazing. Uh, but it is something to know that if your child does get a fever, that is not my first instinct is not to, to bring it down. Right. Yes. There are places where I do bring it down. Um, and I have a whole blog on that. I think I've linked that before in this podcast, but I can link it again. It is definitely something that you want to keep in mind, but isn't it cool that the body will heat itself up to kill the pathogen and that will actually produce 
these, these like, and even in like a, a, even in a, um, a child that does not have autism or is not autistic, they'll see a growth and development or a development, uh, uh, leap right after fever. It's amazing how that happens because the body will do it as toxin removal and get, get rid of what it needs to get rid of. That's right. And as we say, toxicity creates deficiencies. And so after it breaks the infection, then it's able to heal some deficiencies because you're better, you're able to absorb more nutrients. The body works more as a whole. So we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, the last thing that I'd like to mention uh, before we'll see if, if you want to mention anything else is we started this podcast off by saying that we're doing things in the wrong order. We should be getting to the root cause. And then there's other therapies like speech pathology, physical therapy, things like that that could be done alongside or after you get to the root cause that can help results. Now, I'm going to mention CFT. Lauren, tell us more about it and what how it could benefit um, kids who are on the spectrum. So CFT, craniofascia therapy, is a technique that was created by a periodontist um, many, mm, 20, 30 years ago. And it is unlike other therapies because it actually targets the fascia, which is like a web that covers your whole body. It is fascinating what all can be unwound when you actually connect into the fascia. And so with kids that are are, are on the spectrum or even kids that are uh, have a trouble sleeping or, or ADHD or, or just hyperactive tendencies or really any child that had any type of hard birth or have any, I mean, I think most uh, reflux, most children will probably benefit from some CFT because so many people are tight. Trauma will make you tight. Uh, uh, Pathogens will make you tight. Toxicities will make you tight. So you can see this in a child. Honestly, I can just see it. Anytime I look at a child, if they're, if their mouth's open like this and that's how they're breathing, I can just tell they're tight. And a lot of that has to do with ties and methylation. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. We could do a podcast on methylation. It's interesting that you bring that up because, um, back to when I first started learning muscle testing almost 10 years ago, the main nutrient for the fascia is proper forms of folate, which goes with methylation. And, and, and methylation, Pretty much everybody is going to have an issue with methylation mm-hmm. at some point because yes, a I lot agree. of it's nutrient dependent. And I mean, look at the diet of most people of America. Our epigenetics have caused this to be such a, a it's, it's just, it's so rampant throughout, throughout yeah. everywhere. So it's something that most people at least need to consider. And it's totally dismissed by conventional medicine. I thought I shared a, a article or a new study that was out just yesterday on homocysteine being increased in schizophrenic patients. And mm. that is related to methylation too. It's and the it's number so one, interesting. Number one uh, blood test for it. It's so much. It's so interesting that conventional medicine does not even address it at all. Doesn't yeah. even want to. I mean, they don't even know how to interpret the test. Anyways, um, so CFT basically will help to unwind. It's like body work. It would be uh, there is a Facebook group. I can link it on. Um, I can link it on the show notes, basically, where you can look for a practitioner near you. It is a little harder to find. I do suggest if you, as a mom or as a, as a dad, if you want to work, do this with your child, 
I would go get, I would go get the training. You can, anyone can go. And so I would go get the training because how I love that I can do CFT on my children. I bring mm -hmm. them down to the table and I start working them out. Their nervous system goes down. I see, I see the calmness that happens. You see this big sigh and then rubbing their eyes and you know, you're in the unwind and that they're really starting to loosen up. And that can make a big difference, especially as it, with, for autistic children, they're going to trust their, their parents a yes. lot more. And yep. so um, I do think, I do think autistic children that are sensitive to touch and, you know, they really will do better with CFT than maybe some other therapies because mm -hmm. it's not, not painful and it, they're going to let them do what their body's going to do. And so I think it's a really cool way uh, to, to help autistic children with their symptoms alongside root cause stuff, but tight fascia can be such a factor in so many things. So that really could be not necessarily a root cause, but it can really help with all those symptoms. For sure. And, and I like how you said that it'll help with the nervous system balance because another pattern in autism is sympathetic dominance all yeah. the time, which can happen because in uh, the autism spectrum, you'll usually find an increase in norepinephrine, which is adrenaline uh, in the body. And that will create, that's what is secreted when you're in fight or flight. And so anything that can help the body get more into that parasympathetic rest and digest state is going to help. Yes. yes. You don't have to be on the spectrum in order for that to help. It's just something that's seen very, very commonly in the spectrum. Yes. And that is why I mentioned the parents doing it. Cause it's just to have that tool and your toolkit at home oh, man, yeah. how, and then they trust you. They they're, they're more likely to let you touch them and work on them. I think it is a fascinating tool um, to be able to use at home. For sure. So just in a, in a giant recap, um, this podcast was not meant to make anyone feel guilty. Please no. leave your guilt at the door because you don't know what you don't know until you find out you didn't know it. And I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, I'm with the, I'm, I mean, I don't have an autistic child, but I, I don't, I, I am right there with you. I didn't know what I didn't know. And That's so right. we, this is not coming from a place of judgment. Yep. Um, this is coming from a place of love and wanting to see change and wanting to see help and wanting to see them be able to have a, a better quality of life. And that's the biggest thing is the quality of life because I've treated a lot of patients with autism and I see the toll it can take on parents when these children um, are stimming like crazy yeah, and just making cool. home life very intense for them. And we just want better quality of life. Again, we have ne we will never once say that someone with autism is less than. It's just a clue into what we need to do to give them a better quality of life. So we are not attacking. We don't want to be attacked. We just want to help because I see how exhausting it can be on parents and uh, we don't want that. And this will help your health parent. Like Totally. To, to be a caregiver, it is, it is so taxing. Um, and it's so hard and it's so needed. Yes, of course. But, and it's such a good thing, but it's hard and it's, and it's stressful and that will contribute to your health too. And so what we can do is to help them and help you in return. I mean, man, how powerful is that? I, I think we all want the exact same thing and it is the best quality of life for our children. Yeah. yeah. That is, that is the goal. That is what we're talking and I did, you know, there is one thing I didn't mention is ionic oh. foot, detox, uh, foot baths. Um, yep. have you, I, Dr. Gleenhart really talks about this a lot with autism. You really want to start slow, but it is something that I 
think is really, uh, it's a really good tool, especially that's another thing that could be done at home that an autistic child might be more okay with. I try yeah. to think about like, what are, what are, cause I've, I've known so many autistic children that it's like, there is no way you could do, give them all these supplements or, right. you know, get them to eat a certain way. But if you could start with something like that and some, or some, and, and, and start slowly changing their diet, like that, that's a really great way to get, get, get you in. For sure. And that reminded me of one last thing um, <laughs> is uh, sympathetic resonance technology, SRT yeah, yeah. technology. When I was in California, I know I've talked about this in a previous podcast, that was the number one technology and honest, and therapy that I used with any one of my children who were vaccine injured or on the spectrum or both. And so what it is, is a little chipboard that secretes 108 primal frequencies that once they mesh together, it's the perfect frequency of a healthy human cell. So I use them on myself all the and time. Frequency to... is not some woo woo thing. Like it, no, frequency, frequency is everything. It, it, yes. And so there is science to that. There is a think yes. about an EKG, think about a being a, a, shock, a shock, um, yep. to bring somebody back to life. Like that is frequency. And so higher frequency means, um, it goes towards more health and yep. lower frequency goes towards more um, illness. And so I just kind of wanted to give that little disclaimer, like for sure. it sounds like when you say frequency, it makes people kind of go off in one direction, but no, it's like, it's, there's so much science to that. Yeah. I mean, Einstein said the future of medicine is frequency medicine, yeah. right? Isn't that fascinating? So, so what I, what this does is basically when you put it on you, your body starts grabbing onto those frequencies and starts singing back at the same frequency. It's the same concept as when females live together, they menstruate together. When, <laughs> yeah. when, and, and most females listen to this are like, yep, hundred yeah, percent. I remember true. my sorority house. We all started menstruating together. Um, and so then uh, also when there's clocks in the same room, they the pendulums will start swinging together. Yeah. The same thing, but now we have the ability to do it to ourselves, which as you know, when your cells express health, everything else follows suit. Yeah. Um, so I would use that a ton. I they're little, they're the size of like a little bigger than your cell phone. And I would usually, I'd use a, like up to on some adults, I would use like 24 of them. But even if you have one or two of them, you can put one over. Yeah. At home. Cause they, they sell them to the public. Okay. Um, and we'll link it in the show notes. You can put one on the heart and one on the brainstem and connect the brain to heart. Cause when the brain and heart are communicating, magic can happen. And so they're on their website, which we'll link, which is on, it's under, um, crawellness.com. I believe that's what it is. We'll get the right one in the link. Um, there's a study that what they did was there was in Scottsdale, Arizona, it might've been Phoenix, but same area. They basically, made clocks in the classrooms out of this technology without telling the kids. And they did a pre and post. And after however many weeks they did, every kid in the classroom was more likely to complete assignments. Everyone listened better. All test results went up. They want, the, want to get one. They're amazing. The only <laughs> thing, wait, there's, this is, this is hilarious. There's only one thing that technically regressed. And that was certain students were acting up more. And from the, from taking a step back and looking at it, we're like, okay, what's that about? But what the teacher said was it was the kids who were standing up to bullies, which is so fascinating. So they were the kids 
stood up to bullies more yeah like they stood up for themselves like instead of taking it they would stand up for themselves that's awesome yeah so and you use it when um kessa's sick don't you oh i use it all the time yeah I, i have i have let's see i sold one belt of 12 so i still have 24 lights um i've seen so many things get handled with this stuff that if i told you you would think that i was crazy but i have seen absolute miracles from cancers to uh, infections and eyeballs going away in a week, like some gnarly stuff that would probably get me on the dying doctors list over time. <laughs> Don't do that. No, I'm not going to do that. But the th- the stuff exists. We'll so link it's it helpful for the- autism, though. Yeah, a hundred percent because. Yeah, because it gets the brain and heart connected and it gets the cell back to human, a healthy human cellular frequency, which benefits everybody. But as we know, with detoxification uh, pathways being clogged uh, with kids on the spectrum, it it basically um, is like a biohack for cellular health. It, it yeah. will help everything get better. Awesome. Super cool. So we've, I mean, I feel like we've done a really good job of saying, here are some steps you can take at home. Here are some things to look at. Here are some things to research more on your own and um, definitely look into Dr. Charlie's membership as he'll be doing a talk or a video on this next month, because yeah. that's a better place for him to do more of a deep dive. Whereas we're not necessarily able to do that as much here, but I do think that we've given you some really good things to think about, especially um, to give you some, you know, action steps to take. Yep. And, and again, it's not about doing everything at once. If you notice certain patterns with your children, like they have a gut issue, start there, start there and then move on to other things. So um, we don't want this to be overwhelming. We just want you to know that all the stuff exists and it's there uh, that can really help you. Yeah, yeah. All right, before we go, I know Lauren loves to read her thing at the end of each episode. Yes, of course. This is not meant to be medical advice. This is meant to be educational. Please check with your healthcare practitioner before changing anything. We love you all and um, share this podcast with whoever you think uh, needs to hear it or has to hear it. And we will keep doing that. So we'll see you all next week and you guys have a great weekend.